0: we continue in Advent, Uh, you know, last week we talked about Jesus being the light of the world. We're going to be in in Psalm 2 and a lot of other places today. Um, But this is a a kingship psalm. So we're going to talk about um, Jesus the King. If you hadn't caught on to that theme, I love what Ron does with the worship team. I mean, the verses that have been on the screen, some more verses that you will see today as I talk. And the, the songs that we've been singing is all about... Uh, Jesus our King. Last week was light of the world. This week is behold the King. Jesus is our King. Now, I do know that as we talk about Jesus being a King, that is really a, it's kind of a hard thing for us to fathom, right? And when you think about a King, we don't live in a society with a King. That's what we got away from. Uh, We don't really like to be told what to do. Uh, The word authority is not our favorite word. Um, we don't really want people to influence us. Uh, we really like our freedom and we want to be autonomous and leave me alone. And, but that's not really how a king works, is it? So I know for us, as we think about Jesus being the king, it's kind of a mindset shift that we have to make. It's a paradigm shift because that is not what we are used to. And there's probably a lot of negative connotations that come along with the word king or the word authority. What if we looked at who Jesus really is as king? What if we see through some of the verses today that he's somebody with ultimate authority, yet he has the heart of his father. He has the heart of God. How would that change how we view Jesus as king? And as we get going through this today, uh, this is kind of how it's going to go because when I was reading and studying through this, Tripper Longman, Old Testament teacher, I, I actually had him for my Old Testament survey out in Colorado. You know, he said, you really, if you're going to start with Psalm 2, you've got to back up and look at Second Samuel 7 where it talks about the Davidic covenant because this is a divine plan that God is working through. And it started even with Abraham where he said, you know, I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you descendants. I'm going to give you blessing. But then as we get to 2 Samuel, we're going to see that God extends that covenant through David. Read with me here in 2 Samuel. It says, now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel. And I will plant them so that they will have a home, just like the Abrahamic covenant and their own, and they're no longer will be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning. And he goes on, he says, and I have done this ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies, the Lord declares. He'll give them peace in the land through David. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over, And you rest with your ancestors. I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. There he's talking about Solomon. But as we'll see later, and it points up, the rock skips into the future. Your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. Pay attention to that line. We're gonna see that all day today as we're in this scriptures I will be his father and he will be my son so in the davidic covenant god is promising same things that he promised abraham i'm going to give you land i'm going to give you blessing make your name great i'm going to give you a lineage but he also says this i will establish the throne of his kingdom forever that's what he adds in to the davidic covenant not only are you going to be king that I've chosen you, set you apart for this. Not only is your son going to be king, but it's going to be a line that I will establish and that throne is going to last forever. So as we get through Psalm 2 and we continue to look as we're celebrating Advent, as we're celebrating the birth of Christ, the baby that will be in the manger We get to celebrate him as king this morning. And it's going to be an everlasting kingdom. And this is the promise that is being made to David through the Davidic covenant in 2 Samuel. He's going to continue the promises. And I love as you study the scriptures and as you see the threads that weave through the Old Testament and into the New Testament and will eventually Be fulfilled in the future. It's not yet done, but we get to look at it as it happened and as it is happening now and as it will happen in the future at the second advent. And what I love about this is that we know that we can trust God. We know because as we look back and we see that thread that is woven through Scripture thousands of years, all those men writing that as we get to today, we can look to the future expecting with hope, without fear, and with excitement and anticipation because of what we study and what we read and the truth that is woven through Scripture. And we know that we can trust God, that He is trustworthy, that He is good. And as we continue on, we see this idea of an anointed king. As we spend a little time in Psalm 2, we're gonna see that this kind of gets us from David and his kingdom and what God has promised him, but it's going to, the rock is gonna skip and it's gonna get us to Jesus, the king that we get to celebrate. So as we look at Psalm 2, read with me here. It says, why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointing. Now, this is David. More than likely, the scholars say, is, is the writer of this psalm. And this is David. You know, he is not just saying stuff uh, just from nowhere, but he has been promised this. Back in 2 Samuel, as we just talked through, he has been promised what he is now writing and talking about and a little bit later, we'll see that he is going to decree what the Lord has said to him specifically. But we see David as the anointed one. David is set apart to be the king. His name will be made great. And as we continue in the Psalm, it says, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king in Zion on my holy mountain. This is his king. And we get to see that once again fulfilled in David, the promise from long ago that is fulfilled in the person of David. That is God's choice. God's saying, I, I've installed my king on Zion. Zion is important because this is the place where the temple will be built when Solomon builds the temple. This will be the place, the New Jerusalem, when Jesus reigns. So he's given him a place, he's given him a great name. And then he continues on. He says, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, So here's, here's David talking. And he's just continuing to shout out, this is what God has promised me. This is what God has said. He said to me, you are my son. Today, I have become your father. There's that that saying again. You are my son. Today, I have become your father. This special bond, this relationship between a father and a son that David is experiencing, this special blessing That eventually, with his son Solomon, he will experience. But what do those words sound like as you hear those words? Where does that send you into the future? You think about the baptism of Jesus, don't you? This is my son, whom I love. With him, I'm well pleased after he's being baptized. And it continues on. He says, Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. He continues to talk through the blessing in this psalm that was promised from long ago. And then the ultimate rule, you're going to rule with a rod of iron. Some, some versions talk about rule with a scepter. And we see all these promises that are being made to David. And David's declaring these. And these aren't just something that David's coming up with, but we know that David is saying, this is what God promised me. This is what I'm now declaring to all these other kings who are rebelling up against me. All these other kings who are coming against me. I'm trying to remind them of who I am and the fact that I'm going to be blessed and I'm going to rule. I'm going to have ultimate rule ultimate authority in my kingdom because I was chosen I was anointed I was set apart the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant beginning right here in Psalm 2 with the person of David and then it'll weave through his son and eventually to Jesus now we know that David was an imperfect king right committed adultery he was very human lots of imperfections, he was not perfect. But as we read and we study the scriptures and we read in Psalm 2, we know that it doesn't stop with David. That's not where it ends. This is a picture of what we really need. David was the king, he was anointed, he was chosen, but we know that it doesn't stop there. But that we need a better king. We were looking forward to that. The people then were looking forward to a better king. And that king was needed. And that's what the people waited and longed for. And that's what we get to celebrate this morning in the third week of Advent is we are beholding, there's our word, beholding the king. The king that is spoken of long ago, but we get to see it from Second Samuel as the thread weaves through Psalm 2 and eventually it skips and it shows up with Jesus because Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. Jesus is the promise that God made long ago when he said, you are going to have an everlasting kingdom. You are going to be anointed. You are going to be my son. I'm going to be your father. You are going to rule the nations. I mean, all those same things that we looked at, that we talked about with David, as we see those, every one of those translate to the ultimate fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Anointed, the king on Zion, the son. And I'm your father, the inheritance, the blessing, rule with an iron scepter. We'll see that in a minute as we look at some other verses. But every one of those things that was true of David is ultimately fulfilled in Christ. And that's what we get to celebrate this morning. As we continue to celebrate the coming of Jesus, the first coming of his birth. And then eventually as we look forward to his second coming, at the second advent. And he is the everlasting king. Jesus is the everlasting king. And he gives us an invitation. So Tremper was right. When you look back, you go, here's the Davidic covenant. Here's this divine plan that God has set up from the beginning of the world. From the beginning of time, God set this plan in motion. And he promises David. And then David shows up. And David is that king. And we get to study that through Psalm 2. We see all the things start to come forth in David's kingdom. But then ultimately, they all point to Jesus. And we get to see that ultimate fulfillment. And he invites us in with himself. The king Invites us in to his kingdom. And he is a lot of things as we're going to see some different scriptures this morning. He's creator, savior. Colossians talks about he is supreme, the high priest, king of king, lords of lords. We we sing about all these things. But what does it do as we shift that paradigm in our minds? How do we start viewing a king who is like Jesus? Because a lot of us, I know, like I said earlier, a lot of times you hear king, you hear authority, you hear those words ruling with an iron fist, you hear all these things. And it's not words that we like, it's not words that feel good to us, is it? It's not things we go, oh, that sounds like a little baby. That makes me feel warm and fuzzy. No. That those things don't happen when you think about authority and rule. But as we look at some of these verses and that as we're invited in, we're gonna see that he is a king that reigns with righteousness. That he's gonna have ultimate power. But I think as we look at some of these verses that are coming up, it's gonna change our view of the king. Here's three different places we're gonna look. Three different things that we're going to see about Jesus that he's Savior, that he's great high priest, that he's King of kings, and the Lord of lords. Let's look at Acts first. This is Acts 13, 32, 34. It says, We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. That is it. written in the second Psalm, you were my son. Today, I have become your father. There it is. He's referencing back to Psalm 2. God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. As God has said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So here we see the the gospel begin to be laid out in Acts as, as Jesus has gone to the cross, as he is suffered on the cross as he has been resurrected. And they're sharing with him. He said, here's the promises. They're all fulfilled for us by raising Jesus up. As God raised him from the dead, all of the things that were promised long ago in the Davidic covenant, land, blessing, descendants, ultimate rule, authority, and an everlasting kingdom, they all land on Jesus. And here we get to see that Jesus, our king, is also our savior. How does that begin to change the way you think about a king? Not a lot of kings are going to sacrifice themselves so that you and I can have life. How does that begin to change your mindset of having a king who is also savior, who is sacrificial, who is merciful, who gives his blood gives his life so that you can have life. So we get to see him as savior. The next verse in Hebrews chapter one, it says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation, I love that. The sun's radiance, it makes me think of last week. He's the light of the world. He's the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful powerful word after he provided purification for sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven that kingdom language so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs for to which of the angels did god ever say you are my son Today, I have become your father. There it is again. A reference back to Psalm 2. Looking at the fulfillment of that kingship psalm. So we also see that our king, Jesus, is the great high priest. What does that mean? What does that mean for you and I that he is the great high priest? As you think back through what the priests did as they would enter the Holy of Holies. Once a year, they would make the sacrifice, but now Jesus is the great high priest. The one who invites us into his kingdom is the one who goes before us. The one who goes to the Lord to be the intermediary for you and for I. We are restored through jesus christ because he is the great high priest no more do we stand outside and bring sacrifices but now he is the one that brings us back into the restoration to the way it should have been years ago in the garden back into that relationship because of him because of him being the great high priest we now have access to the father and this is one of those things that is hard to fathom I mean, I'll be honest. We have finite minds. It is hard to fathom the fact that we have access to God, that we have access to the creator of the world who is cosmic out there. You know, it, I mean, it is really hard to understand that. But because of the king, who is the fulfillment of all these things we've been talking about this morning, because he is the great high priest we now have access directly to the God of the universe. Let that sink in for a minute. Let that settle in your mind and in your heart and in the depths of every fiber of your being that we can go directly to the Father because of Jesus Christ. To me, that changes a lot of things. That changes a lot of things about how we live practically when we have access, direct access to the Father. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Revelation. Read with me. It says, Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. There's that Connection back to Psalm 2. He treads on the winepress of fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has his name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There it is again. The fulfillment of what started long ago through David, through Psalm 2, all the way to Jesus, and the future hope of him returning is what we see here. That he is the King of of kings and he is the lord of lords and i love that we get to celebrate that this morning that we get to look at who he is and not that he's just this king out there somewhere that we have no interaction with but he resides within us through the power of his holy spirit that this is not a distant king, but this is a king that we have communion with. This is a king that is willing to, to go to the cross and to sacrifice for you and I. It's a king that is the mediator, the great high priest. It's a king that will return one day and make all things right. He will rule in righteousness. And he will rule Forever. And you know, Jesus doesn't set aside certain characteristics for others. Think about that. He is all these things. Everything we've talked about this morning and so much more, he encompasses all of those things. And yet, he has ultimate authority, he has ultimate power. He's also the good shepherd, he's also the resurrection. And he's also the king that as he rules and has ultimate authority, he's got a towel in his hands and a basin of water that he lowers himself as we read the Philippians verse on the screen, and he washes your feet. That is the king that we serve. That is the king that we celebrate this morning. How do you respond to that kind of a king? How do we respond to a king that is all those things? We respond by worship. We respond through obedience. As we draw close to him, we respond in in love and in being in that relationship. Let's look back at this Psalm 2 because I think there's some things in there that we can draw out that help us understand how to respond, how to worship, how to be a part of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Read this with me. It says, Therefore, you kings be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling, Kiss the son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Look at these words. Serve the Lord with fear. Celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss the son. Take refuge in him. You know, this is kind of the shift that we have to make in this kingdom mindset. And as you read, I I don't know how much you are picking up on that, but as you read through the New Testament, that's what God talks about. He talks about his kingdom coming and that we're a part of his kingdom. That's the invitation that we are invited in to his kingdom. And I know that's hard for us to understand, but this helps us change our mindset, I think. That we serve the Lord in fear, with awe and with reverence. Not a fear that makes you cower down, but a fear where you are awestruck and you bow in reverence and you serve him and you give your life away, not because you have to, but because we get to. And we get to celebrate his rule with trembling Another word they used, some of the versions use the word rejoice. We get to rejoice in that same idea of in awe and in amazement at who he is. And I love this part where it says, kiss the son. You know, this is an act of submission where people would bow and kiss the ring of a king. But we submit to him. We give our lives to the king. We obey him with simple obedience. And the last thing it says is take refuge in him. And I love this. You know, there's kind of a shift here as you look at serve with fear and celebrate with trembling and this idea of submission, but then you get down to take refuge in him. It feels very different, doesn't it? To take refuge in something. What does that word mean when you think about that? <coughs> refuge. Safety. Security. Protection. Provision. That is what happens when you take refuge in something or someone. And we are called this morning to take refuge in the king in the one who was before the foundations of the earth the king who is savior the king who is our great high priest the king that will return one day and set everything right that is who we get to take refuge in is that king but as we continue to think about this mindset shift of of celebrating, of bowing down in submission and obedience and then taking refuge in him. What does that look like for you and I? When the rubber meets the road, what does that look like to take refuge in the king? And I don't think we have to be afraid. I mean, I think about all the things going on in our lives. I know there's There's disease, there's death. We've lost loved ones. But if you serve this king, doesn't it change the way that you think about that? Doesn't it change the way that you respond? Because you know the promise is that we're gonna be with him for eternity. What about our our marriages? How do we respond and communicate to one another? Because we serve the king, we take refuge in the king. How does that make us view our spouses and interact with them? Because he is the king and he's gonna set all things right. And we can trust him and we can live in him and take refuge in him. What about the crazy world we live in? I mean, there's so much fear and anxiety that is projected on what's going on in today's world, do we have to worry? No. Do we have to fear things? No. Why? Because we can take refuge in the king. Remember the words I said, safety, security, provision, protection. We serve the king, who, yes, we celebrate at Christmas coming as a baby. But we know that's not the end of the story, that eventually he will come back and he will reign. So we don't have to fear things. We don't have to fear the crazy political world. We don't have to fear disease. We don't have to fear financial disaster. Just all the things that the world is trying to scare you. We don't have to. Because we serve the king. We serve the almighty God. And that's who we are celebrate this morning. There's a little video I'm going to show real quick. It's when, from the chosen, when Jesus meets with Nicodemus, it's only a minute, something, but I love what happens and they take some liberties in it, but I love what happens. You know, it's, if you read the scriptures, it's John chapter three. I mean, Jesus basically is sharing the gospel himself. With Nicodemus talking through being born again. But I love how Nicodemus responds when he realizes he is in the presence of the king. Watch this with me. Behold the king, worship the king. Just as Nicodemus realized who he was in the presence of, we have to change our mindset. We're not just doing a thing, playing a thing called church. We're not just a part of a religion called Christianity. But we literally are in relationship. If you know him, you've trusted him, you're in relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Here's some next steps. Identify the next right thing you need to do this week as you submit to the King. What is it? I don't know what it is. What's the next right thing you need to do? Write down three things that you need to trust Jesus with as you take refuge in him. We all have things that are going on that are hard that we don't understand. But remember who we serve. Remember who we're in a relationship with. And during these last few songs, we're going to have folks up here praying for you. Is there something that you need to receive prayer for right now? Come up and allow them to pray for you and intercede for you. Behold the King. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for how you love us. Thank you, Father, that you had a plan from long ago and you are still making that plan come to fruition. And Father, thank you that we get to celebrate the birth of Christ, the birth of our King, that we get to stand in awe and wonder of who he is. And Father, that we one day will get to be with him as he reigns as King of King and Lords of Lords. Father, and we get to hope, have a hope in that. But Father, help us to lay our burdens at your feet. Father, you are in ultimate control, Father. We control very little. Lord, help us to understand that, to realize that, help us to take refuge in you, where there is safety and security and protection and provision from you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. It's in your son's name.